Hello, I'm Jason Solomons. Welcome to Seen Any Good Films Lately. I'll tell you if I have, and on this episode, we dive into my favourite film of last year as it prepares now to take on the best documentaries at the BAFTAs and the Oscars. The fact that even this film stayed in a basement for 50 years before someone took the tapes out, it's time is is the star of this movie. That's Questlove, the hugely talented drummer for hip-hop outfit The Roots and the in-house band on Jimmy Fallon every night on the telly in the US, now turning filmmaker for the first time with the brilliant documentary Summer of Soul about the Harlem Cultural Festival of 1969, dubbed The Black Woodstock, a story told for the first time. I love it. I admire it. I think it's a gem, a jewel, a musical documentary masterpiece. Yes, I do. So, Amir Questlove Thompson is my guest and Summer of Soul is my jam. All after I tell you if I've seen any good films lately. I had that Claire Rushbrook on the show last week to catch up with the episode. Uh, she's a really great guest and her film Ali and Ava is out now. And it gets a thorough recommend from me with wonderful performances to savour from Claire and from Adil Akhtar, the BAFTA-nominated Adil Akhtar, in uh, Across the Racial Divide, late-blooming romance set in Bradford and directed with acumen and empathy by Clio Barnard and some beautiful camera work by Oli Brat Kirkland. On, over. Go on. Over. Oh, look a mess. Come on, open up. We're going to keep talking through this door. Oh, my God, it's like talking to my cousin. She's dead religious. Every time she sees me coming, she shuts the door. <laughs> I talk to her like this and all. Yeah, yeah, she finds it funny too. Come on, open up. Oh, shit. Is Zorro there? No, 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 he's at his girlfriend. So let me in then. Do you know what? That's it. That's it. Now I'm going. Yeah. I've, I've had enough. Right. All right. Goodbye. Bye. That's it. See ya. I can. I can still see you. Where? There. Where? Don't jab at me. Oh bloody hell! I see what you mean. You do look a mess, don't you? <sighs> Scout bath. Oh, is it still on? Well, no, you're not getting no, him a bath. No, of course not. No. So that's Ali and Ava, which uh, was at Cannes. And you can hear my interview with Adil Actor on my Cannes special. So do catch up with that one on the uh, the podcast menus. But I've now caught up with a film called Happening or L'Evénement in French, because it is French. It's the film which won the Golden Lion at Venice last year and whose director, Audrey Duvan, is nominated for Best Director at the BAFTAs, which is extraordinary, uh, but very well deserved, as is Julia de Corneau for Titan, which won at Cannes. So I've got those two female directors nominated in the Best Director category alongside, of course, Jane Campion. So three nominees in the Best Director category at the BAFTAs. Happening is not out here till April, mid-April, but I thought I'd mention it now uh, because of Audrey's amazing nomination and the fact that her star, Anne-Maria Vartolome, just won Best Newcomer at the César Awards in Paris last weekend. J'ai un problème, Jean. Si. Je n'ai pas l'intention de le garder. Tu connais, mon n'est-ce pas? Jean. Laisse-moi Anne. Et le con? Qu'est-ce que tu cherches exactement De l'aide. 
Voilà ce que je cherche. Vous ne m'avez pas laissé le choix. Je n'approuve pas votre démarche. Mais je comprends vos motivations. J'aimerais avoir un enfant un jour. Mais pas un enfant au lieu d'une vie. So that's happening. It's a brilliant performance from Anna Maria. And I must say that the character she plays, Anne, uh, she's a bright student whose world is collapsing around her when she finds out to her own shock that she's fallen pregnant. It's set in 1963 and the film's about her lack of choice as she seeks to have an abortion. But obviously it's a massive secret and this sort of strict Catholic society closes in around her. I guess uh, because I was thinking about Mike Lee and Claire Rushbrook, there are shades of Vera Drake. Uh, in here there's also can win a four months three weeks and two days but it hasn't got those films austerity and yet they're all there it's an excellent film really because it's subtle but it's quiet in its power and it's very skillfully built around the walls closing in around Anne and the choices of a young woman in 1963 uh, in France in what appears to be a liberal society but of course it's not Uh, so it's about sort of moral and physical strictures placed on women. A brilliant performance from Anne-Marie Vertolome. Uh, very much one to see happening. But now it's time for Summer of Soul. Yeah, that's Sly and the Family Stone in concert at Mount Morris Park in Summer of Soul. The Oscar after nominated favourite for Best Documentary and my favourite film of all for 2021. I would have put it in all the best categories. It tells the story of a series of concerts that were filmed in 1969, but the footage lay in a vault, never broadcast, never used for 50 years until Questlove got to tell the story of what happened to it. And in reopening these boxes in the vault he recontextualizes the time the place the artists and he puts the music and the crowd in their social and cultural moment i spoke to Questlove earlier this week from his office in new york uh, where he gets ready for the fallon show every night in the 30 rock tower the rockefeller tower and uh, we began by discussing how he took on this task of making this story and making it his directing debut and making it look like he did it well like everyday people I, uh, you know, I, I got to say that in the very beginning, I was kind of the opposite. I was nervous about it and I had to be convinced a lot of times that, you know, you, you're a natural born storyteller. You're the you're the right team. Tell tell one of your fascinating stories, which, you know, I'll say in the first six weeks, I was a little I was shrouded in self-doubt, like, wow, I'm a first time driver. I've never done this before. Can I do this? <laughs> yeah. um, but this is probably done more for me just as a human being than it's done for me you know than anything that i've done in my life and well, you know what, I've, what, I've, do you, what do you mean by that because look as an artist you were pretty good on the drums we, you, you did pretty good with the roots you've been on telly every night since i don't know one of the last six seven mm -hmm. years you made radio shows you've written the books you got the you got the you know they got board games 
when you say as a human being, what's this brought to you? What story has this told you? For me, I think this is the furthest I've gotten out of my comfort zone while still being a creative. Like I knew, I knew that being a creative, being a creative is transferable. And I've explored that a lot, what I've done in the last five years. Like I've, I've gone into the food space and, you know, done stuff there and I've written books and I've taught colleges and I've hosted a radio show, like things not drumming behind someone. Um, But in this particular case was the first time that I got to the ledge of the bungee jump line and was sort of like, wait a minute, Uh, I don't know if I could do this. And, you know, oftentimes artists and people get in their own way of progress and you know, it's sort of like, you know, can can you really can you as a cyclist analyze how you're able to stay balanced and navigate two wheels throughout the city or you just do it <laughs> without thinking like and that this is one of those situations where to make it easier. My producer said, look, I want you to treat this movie like it's a DJ gig. Like, how would you do this? Right. And once once he put it in that way, then I was like, oh, this is easy. So, so did I gathered, mean, like you had the tracks sorted, you knew the records you were going to play and it was just about you linking them, presenting them well. Well, OK, so my records were moments. And so I had five months to go through 40 hours of footage of which I kept on 24 hour loop. Even in my sleep, this thing never my television never went off. So if someone woke me up, I was like, oh, what was that? And I write it down when I had 30 goosebumps. When I had 30 goosebump moments, then with those 30 goosebump moments, then we decided to frame a story around what we were watching. So, mm-hmm. of course, you know, an example is Mahalia Jackson and Mavis Staples seeing Precious Lord together. Um, once we look under the hood, we realize I didn't know this, but Precious Lord, Take My Hand by Mahalia Jackson was Martin Luther King's favorite song and was exactly the last thing he spoke of before he was assassinated in 1968. So that's how you get that story. case of Stevie Wonder, you know, a guy who did a lot of his big hits of the 60s at this concert. For me, him doing Shooby Doo Da Day looked like what his future was about to look like. Like that was as close to what Stevie Wonder is about to do in the next 10 years. Yeah. So I wanted to for me, it was more important to show his future than just to do I was made to love her and well it was like and, it was like he imbibed some consciousness that day and then took that forward to the exactly. the, the kind of you know the conscious albums that he made with with the inner visions and, and talking right. book you know yeah it's to and me he was playing uh, the drums and he uh, you know uh, you're a drummer stevie was pretty good on those drums you know what uh one of one of the uh, things i took away with was number one 
the drum solo was was a thing back in the late 60s. There were more drum solos than there were guitar solos or saxophone solos. Like if someone takes a solo now, chances are it's a piano solo, a saxophone or maybe guitar solo, but not a drum solo. And in the beginning, I was about to cut what I call drums of death. <laughs> I think there were over 11 drum solos at this festival. I was going to like mash them all together. But, um, you know, my editor, Josh, and, and my producer, Joseph, were like, yo, Stevie's solo is almost interesting enough for you to not distract it with anyone else. Like you could you could almost make the same point with just his one drum solo. And the reason why I started it was one, I, I needed a cold open that would absolutely jaw drop people. And Stevie Wonder doing a drum solo isn't something that you would normally think of when you think of Stevie Wonder. So for me, as a drummer, I had to wink to the audience. And <laughs> nice I figured wink. that was the best wink that I could do as my my opening scene in my very first film. Yeah. And well, I I think it, it was a, a baton moment. You know, I think of a drumstick sometimes like a baton in those 400 meter relays. And, they, you know, they, mm -hmm. it was being passed right there. And you had Max Roach in your film as well. You know, you know talking of drums, you have Ray Barretto in there. There was some percussive, exactly. percussive folks in your movie there. Oh, yes. All the all the drum masters were there. I will say the longest drum solo was actually uh, the drummer from the Chambers Brothers which really uh, finishes the joke. Uh, Daryl Lewis, one of my talking heads said, he joked that, you know, if you're the white drummer in an all black group, you must be good, right? And so uh, they do, I'll say that one of the things that I had to take away from my original cut, my original cut was three hours and 25 minutes. I'm there for that, and if you're, by the way, if you're gonna drop it, I'm there for it. <laughs> we're, we're talking now about that. <laughs> And there's there's um, Chambers Brothers does this crazy version of of their song Time, which even on the album Time is like ten to eleven minutes long, but this version's like seventeen minutes, and he does the craziest drum solo that I you know I fought to keep in, but you know thank thank God there's there's love for the film, so you know maybe we'll. We're going to do an alternative. You can indulge yourself another time. What mm -hmm. you said to me at the start there, you said, oh, this is about, you know, you're a storyteller. You're going to tell a story. What is the story that Summer of Soul tells? And I'm going to add to that. What's the story it's told in the releasing of it and the reception of it? Because I think there are two different tales there. Well, okay. So the, the story that I, I think that is the most consistent, time, time is the actual star of this film because there's there's a uh there's a, a common denominator first of all 1969 is a, is a pivotal year for america for, you were born that year yeah. yeah it's it's it it really marked uh probably what 2020 is going to mean for people when we get to 2060 1969 was such a pivotal year where everything changed and for Black America, one, that was the year we first started to call ourselves Black. Mm. Um, soul music was just morphing into rock and funk. Like soul music was basically a well put together suit and tie affair for gospel people that wanted to party on a Saturday night. And in about four seconds, funk is about funk 
according to George Clinton, funk is uh, ham hocks in your cornflakes, <laughs> which is basically he's basically saying that it's a, a disturbance. And, you know, everything about our, ourselves, our fashion, our dances, our, our lives, the way we address people, the way we live has changed in 1969. But for these artists as well, the, the staple singers aren't going to be a gospel group after this much any longer. Stevie Wonder uh, is actually going to pick up the baton where the Beatles left off in a year. Sly and the Family Stone in 10 days when they do actual Woodstock are going to become such a game changer. Like their existence alone is game changing because no one's ever seen black people just wear their regular street clothes on stage. Mm -hmm. No one's seen a band where women and men like have the same equal roles where black and white people have the same equal roles like Sly and the Family Stone. And what he's talking about, this is not just your empty love songs and party songs of the 60s. Like he's really saying something. So a lot's going to change in 1969. And the fact that even this film stayed in a, a basement for 50 years before someone took the tapes out, it's time time is is the star of this movie and for me there were there were a lot of there was a lot of unpacking to do yeah. not only with the music but why this concert happened how this concert happened and what happened since this concert happened so there's a lot of unpacking that I had to do. Yeah, I think that's the skill of the movie. We feel that. We feel time coming and going. We feel people looking back. We feel people looking forward. I want to know your... When I heard that you were doing this movie and, and that this these tapes I hadn't seen for 50 years and I was going to see these performances right. that hadn't been shown for 50 years, I mean, I knew about it because uh, there's publicity and it was you going to do it. So great. I, I was excited to see it. How did you feel right. when somebody said, hey, there's a magic box. It's not been opened. Let's open Pandora's box. 50 years... What, what was the excitement I... of you then? <laughs> Well, in the beginning, I was very arrogant, you know, because I'm a music snob. I know everything about music. And you're you're not going to convince me that this concert happened. Because I, I just kept saying, like, there's no way you're going to tell me that Stevie Wonder and Sly and the Family Stone did a free concert in Harlem. And over 300,000 people seen this thing. And there's not one photo online about it or no blog or no nothing. There was nothing about it online when it was presented to me. Now, when you look it up, everyone has all the factoids. But I'm like, wait a minute. Not one member of the press gave this story any any heed. So, one, there was just that sort of arrogance. And then when they showed it to me, I was like, well, obviously, the camera angles must be bad or the, the film quality must suck or maybe the sound sounds horrible. And that wasn't the case. And I was like, well, and then I just went to why. And I went to why did this happen? And I did not know about it. Why did not one member of the press write a proper story about it? I, I, you know, and then it was like, why me? <laughs> why, like, why didn't you go to a regular, you know, director? Like, why are you? And I realized that I was chosen because I have a fresh set of eyes and ears that I could tell a music story that maybe your average director wouldn't think to tell. And for me, I'll just say that uh, 
I, I was scared for maybe the first six weeks. And then my producer said something wise. He said, look, I want you to treat this like you treat a DJ gig. The same way you prepare for a DJ gig, how would you do this? And I was like, well, I gather all my songs and then I work my way backwards. Anything I do, I work backwards. Uh-huh. I ask myself, how do I like this to end? And then I work backwards. And that's same thing. Like I knew what my ending was and I had to sort of creep my way to the beginning. And my beginning... I can't think of a better way to announce to the world in the most ambushed way of all time that yes, the roots drummer knows how to direct an award caliber film with a drum solo that with Stevie wonder. So. Okay. I'm going to pick, cause I, I, I work backwards on this one. I thought, how am I going to end? And normally on my show, I asked my film directors, you know, if, if they ever wanted to go to a set that they could go to and they'd see it being made, see a great director at work. Yes. Where would they go? Would they, where would they go? Uh, if there's a if there's a music doc being made, where would you go? If it were a music documentary, I would have loved to have seen Soul to Soul. It's a, a film in 1974 of them going to Africa. It's Ike and Tina Turner, Santana, uh, Wilson Pickett, Roberta Flack. It's so beautiful. It's called Soul to Soul. It came out in 74. Okay. However, if it's a movie set, I'm obsessed with Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia and that frog scene. <laughs> I dream about it every night. Oh, so. <laughs> great. You can be there. And if I gave you the power of drumming, you're pretty good at it. Yes. I'm going to drop you into one set at Summer of Soul, one of the Harlem concert sets. You can drum for one of those artists. Who are you going to do it for? You know what? I would, I would do it for the one act uh, that wasn't filmed because he wasn't big enough, but he was truly the future. The the local acts were thrown on the last week, and the last week was already pre-booked. The camera crew couldn't be there for the very last week because they were shooting uh, a pilot to this local television show called Sesame Street. <laughs> so there was no camera, and we missed our opportunity to see a 17-year-old Luther Vandross give his very first performance. So, yeah, if, if only we knew that the local acts would have been household names in 20 years, we would have we would have had the camera crew there the entire time. But oh, yeah. I, I would have just loved to have seen what his performance was into. Drumming for Luther. There, yeah, it's the proof that never too much. Um, if I could do it, I would be a pip. I would be dancing with Gladys Knight doing the Hurdy for the Great Man. I, did I'd you take your eyes off them once? No, I put my whole outfit in the cupboard here. I, I am only dressing like a pip from now on. There you go. They're so cool. So cool. Absolutely. You could have told me you said that you were loving somebody else. And I heard it through the game. Oh, I heard it through the game. Oh, not much longer would you be mine. Not much longer would you be Don't you know that I heard? Yes, I heard. Heard it through the game. Oh, just about, just about, just about. all those pips what a film what a concert just one of those you watch and you wish you were there and actually through the skill of the film and the filmmakers who shot it you really do feel like you are there 
I make no secret of my hope that it wins uh, at the BAFTAs and the Oscars. I only wish it were up for best film too. That's why I would do put it in there and, and it would probably have a good chance. Summer of Soul. Find it on Disney Plus, on Amazon, Apple TV, Sky Store and Chile and Rakuten, other places available. Right, that's a whole lot of soul for us. But never too much because... There's punk soul in a film called Rebel Dread. It's a new doc about Don Letts, who chronicled the punk rock scene in the 70s. And he made videos for The Clash, including London Calling and Rock the Casbah. And then he went into Big Audio Dynamite with Mick Jones. Uh, and he puts all of these memories into this film for which he's great company. Uh, I've always loved hearing Don Letts talk. I've always loved you know, him DJing. Been to many nights where he's been the DJ. Uh, and I, I found out stuff here in this film that I didn't know, such as he was the one who made the video for Musical Youths Past the Duchy. <laughs> what a video that is. It always was. And it stands for me as an absolute marker of my own youth. I have to say that. So let's go out uh, hearing a bit from Don Letts in Rebel Dread. And of course, some Musical Youth. See you next week. I grew up in a two-up, two-down in Brixton. Brixton was kind of cool back then. We had an attitude, we had a look. Brixton in the early 70s was like little Jamaica. You're walking down Railton Road, which is the main drag through the area, and there's Rasta Brethren on the street, there's people selling box juice. A record shop where you'd go every Friday night with your hard-earned money or your dull money and try and buy the latest releases. And it was a, just a tremendous sense of community. No racial tension, none of that. Give me the music, make me jump and fly. It's a good one.